That's what we talk about in terms of passionate marriage and singleness is to be able to love in the way that Jesus Christ loves us. That's how we know what love is, is that God first loved us. And with that type of love, passionately pursuing us to be fully known, right? To be fully, uh, no defenses, but to be known. And, and that's when we've outlined this idea of that's kind of this relationship, right? When we talk about a passionate marriage, a, a marriage that reflects the good news of Jesus Christ is a marriage where the two individuals are fully known. Now, I would love to stand up as your pastor and say, well, Jerry and I are there. We are, we have arrived. Um, I know her fully and she knows me completely. We're not there yet. That's a lifelong experience, right? It's a lifelong experience with our relationship with Jesus Christ as well. Uh, We're fully known by him. There's nothing hidden, but we are in the process of knowing Jesus all the more as we go through our lives. Uh, So this union that we have with Christ, this uh, picture of marriage that we have with Christ as, as he is the husband, we the bride of Christ, we're in this ongoing process of knowing him, fully knowing him, just as we are known, known by him. And so we're looking at this concept in our discipleship as we, as we move towards being a people, being a church, who are living freely and lightly, right? Jesus calls us to this life. He says, if you come to me with your heavy burdens and you're overwhelmed and you're, you're weighed down, he says, come to me, all of you who are like that, and I will give you rest for your soul. In me, you will find this rest. He says, because my burden's actually light. And my yoke, what, I, what I'm going to ask you to join me in, it's going to be easy on you. Compared to what you carry around in your own life. In fact, the message paraphrase says it this way. He goes, come to me and you're going to live freely and lightly. You're going to live unencumbered. You're not going to be chained down, restrained. Your heart is going to be light. It's going to, freely and lightly is going to be your life. And how many of us this morning would say yes to that life, right? Free and light, you know, that I just live in such a way that I'm free and light. Well, that's that discipleship piece. That's what we talk about growing deep is we want to get our roots into the life with Jesus so that we can experience that life that he wants for us. It doesn't happen when we say yes to Jesus. It's not a one-time thing. Yes to Lord. Okay, I'm free and light. It's a discipleship process that begins at that point, and we learn how to live in the kingdom of God freely and lightly, shedding off the things that would otherwise encumber us and and weigh us down. And so that's what we're talking about, discipleship. And in this discipleship process comes into this portion of marriage and singleness, that we are one or the other, and, and so we live out our calling our lives out of this position or calling of being married or single. And so it's through this, through this place that we're at in life and these relationships that we have that God ministers through us. And it's part of our gospel witness. It's part of who we are. It's the way that we testify about how God is working in our life. So it's not something that hinders us and is a part. If I'm married, I don't say, well, I... Uh, my marriage really doesn't have to do with how I serve Christ. It's just, I'm in this relationship, this marriage relationship, and then I individually serve Christ. No, 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 no. If we view it that way, we're, go- we're going to miss it. But if we view it that my marriage is a gospel witness for Christ, that people see God through my marriage, then I'm actually relating to my spouse in a way that allows me to live that out. If In my singleness, if I just think, you know, I'm not encumbered by a marriage. I can do what I want. I'm not, I, I don't, I'm not accountable to anybody in this life because I'm single and I'm, I'm just free to live life however I want it. Then we've, we've missed this idea. We're, we're missing the idea of how my singleness is a gospel witness for God. I would be missing how I have the opportunity to have rich relationships just like Jesus did with different people and a different expression of God's love shown through these different relationships that I have. 
my singleness, if, if I'm a single individual, I have an opportunity to have a gospel witness, not in spite of my singleness, but because I'm single. It's a unique gospel witness. And that's really what we looked at last week. Uh, passionate Christian singleness testifies about God's love because the individual has multiple rich relationships that are marked by his or her expression of God's love in personal ways. Ooh, that's a mouthful. I need a drink of water just after saying that. Essentially, what, what we're saying is like, the single, where the married person is intently focused and has an exclusive relationship that testifies of the sense of God's jealous heart for us, that he loves us so much. And we're the only one of our kind on this whole planet that has ever been or will ever be. And so God has a very personal, unique relationship. He knows us intimately and closely. And that paints a picture of a marriage relationship that is so close and intimate and that I'm known by this one person, unlike I'm known by anybody else. And that's the image, that's a image of God's love for us. And similarly, when we talk about Christian singleness, it testifies of God's love because these passionate and, and caring relationships that a single person has with multiple people, it talks about the expanse of God's love, not the exclusivity of it, but the richness of God's love that reaches to different people and how out of that... The, that out of these multiple relationships that I have, I am made more whole. I am made more complete. And so as a married person, I can experience that a little bit, but I'm kind of limited. I don't have as many close relationships as a single person might have. So I can't testify about God's love in the same way that a single person can. It's my limitation as a married person. But vice versa, as a married person, I can express God's love intimately in ways that a single person can't. So Here's, here's the important thing for us is that we don't get in this place within the church that we elevate one over the other and say, you know, well, marriage is the preferred status and we, we should all aspire to be married because it's a great picture of God's love for us. No, and, and we shouldn't, you know, Paul said, my preference in, in uh, the passage we looked at last week, Paul said, my preference is that if you're single, remain single. You can give attention to what God wants, the kingdom of God purposes, and, and you're not uh, weighted down by uh, the, the needs of another person. You can serve God in, in ways that a married person can't. So the Apostle Paul says, it's my preference. Not his command, not a biblical mandate. He said, Paul says, it's just my preference. I wish you, if you're single, you would just stay like I am, stay single and minister that way. But here's what we don't want to do, right, is elevate one over the other. We say they both express God's love. And so within the body of Christ, we want to encourage and value and and encourage one another in the place that we're at. And that's one thing that is consistent between married and singles, is he says, wherever you're at right now, don't be consumed with trying to get out of it. If you're married, don't be caught up and consumed with trying to get out of your marriage because it's challenging for you. You should work and and really spend your time at trying to stay married where you're at. If you're single, don't be consumed with trying to get married, but find contentment, and it's difficult oftentimes for, for either. Find contentment where you're at and find ways to testify of God's work right where you're at as, as a healthy and, and vibrant, passionate single. So this morning, uh, we're going to spend some time and look at how we can love and trust others. So I'm not going to highlight one or the other. This addresses both marrieds and singles. How do we love, genuinely love people and trust people? So it can be our love and trust in a committed marriage relationship. It can be uh, how do we love and trust in, a, in our relationships as, as a single person. But it, it's really important that we understand what are our limits, but also what ways can we really find true freedom to love the way that that God loves? So let's pray as we go to the scriptures. Jesus, we, we do love you. We thank you for your example to us. You are the living word. And, uh, so as we, as we come and we open up the Bible and, and we read this morning, we're not reading something that is stagnant or dead or just old thoughts. They, it is living and active. It's ready to take residence within us and to shape and change us and, and bring us to repentance where we confess where we're not lined up with it and, and then move towards you in ways that help us to know you better and, and help us to love better. So, Father, I pray just as we've been going through the service, just it's a strong sense that you're 
healing power is at work. You're, you're wanting to mend broken hearts this morning. You're wanting to help make us whole. And so I pray that that would be true in this time together as well in the Word, that we would be finding ourselves being made whole as we hear from your Word and as we receive it into our lives. Amen. This morning, I want to spend time out of uh, Proverbs chapter 4. So if you have uh, either a Bible in hand or a Bible app, if you want to turn there, and then we'll also have it on the screen. Uh, Proverbs chapter 4. And, and so it's, um, you know, I, I've never had a column, a newspaper column, like relationship advice from Andy, you know, uh, dear Abby type of thing. Uh, and so this is my chance. To, to just get advice, relationship advice, and just give you all that I have that should take all of about 10 minutes here. And uh, I'll, I'll share a couple of things that I want to communicate a couple of things that have been critical and very important in, in my own understanding of how to love people, how out of our own sense of brokenness or... Um, self-protection, how do we move past some of that? Because whether we're married or we're single, the challenge is really wanting to be known (laughs) and feeling safe with people. So the, the easiest, the model that's given to us in the culture around us is to not trust. Don't, uh, don't open yourself up. You're just going to get hurt. Or the pendulum swings and it's the sense of just give yourself to whoever. Don't protect yourself in any way. Just give yourself to whoever and, um, and, and just however the dice fall, that's, that's the way to live it. Proverbs 4 has some really great instruction and, and maybe you've uh, heard something like this. This came early to me in my walk with Christ. In fact, it was my first year having become a Christian. I was uh, partway through my junior year in high school and I had a young life leader, a campus ministry leader who did Bible studies. And this this one Bible study that he did in the scripture has stayed with me my entire life and helped me understand it, helped me navigate so many waters around how do I handle relationships. And so I felt like it's a great opportunity in our own thinking about discipleship and marriage and singleness. It just seems like a great place that it, that it fits in here. So Proverbs chapter 4 verses 20 to 23, uh, the, the writer of Proverbs and keep in mind Proverbs, I always like to, I don't spend a lot of time in Proverbs, so a quick reminder, proverbial wisdom uh, gives us insights as to ways to live life that brings about God's blessing. Proverbial wisdom are not promises of God in this sense, <laughs> that don't take a proverb and say, because it's stated this way, this is going to happen. You know, the most common uh, one that, that I hear have to do with raising children you know, instruct a child in the way he or she should go, and when they're old, they will not depart from it. You know how many people that will say, Pastor Andy, I'm so frustrated. It says that if I instruct my child in the way he should go, they won't depart from it. And so this frustration, because now my child has departed from it. <laughs> they're no longer serving the Lord. And this, this angst. No, it's, here's, here's the context for this. It's wisdom that says, do this, and you give them an opportunity to have something that they can anchor back to. They may hear other things, but they know where to anchor back to. So because you or I raise a child in the congregation, in the church, we teach them the Bible studies, you do not have a guarantee that they will grow up to receive Christ and follow him forever. I know that's difficult, and I'm not making light of that. I'm just saying it's proverbial wisdom that's saying, instruct them in the way they should go, And that instruction will stay with them. That does not mean that they're going to become a Christian. They're an individual with their own will, and they have to make that decision for themselves. You don't have control over that. In fact, God even limits his control over that by saying that's a decision that he or she will have to make to follow after me. I bring that up because proverbial wisdom is good wisdom. It's godly wisdom. It's biblical wisdom. But they're not the same as promises where God says, do this and I'll do this. It's not a covenant follow this or obey this, and I will do this. It's good, godly wisdom to do these things, okay? Keep that in mind whenever you read Proverbs. Uh, Don't take them and declare them as promises. 
take them and say, I need to apply this to my life. It's good. And God is faithful to his word. And so um, he's, he's going to grow my life out of it. Proverbs 4, he's talking about wisdom. The, the, the father's instruction that's coming is talking about understanding uh, what to do, how to uh, hold on to the wisdom that's given to him. It says, my son, be attentive to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Let them not escape from your sight. Keep them within your heart. For they are life to those who find them and healing uh, to all their flesh. Keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flow the springs of life. And it's specifically that last verse, verse 23. Keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flow the springs of life. I learned it through the NIV. It reads it this way. Above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. And this, this uh, young life leader that was teaching me this, he imparted that to us. And, and he was talking about, you know, just really protecting your heart. And I remember in that conversation and the verses that follow, he was talking about from impurity. And that's the context of that passage. Make sure that you don't let anything, your desires, your passions, your appetites, don't let them get away from you. And so he says, guard your heart from those things. But I remember as a uh, a, a young guy uh, just turned 17. And I remember where I was at at that point in my life is that I was really bad at relationships. Now, you know, I know many of you would say, well, duh, <laughs> you're a high school boy. <laughs> you're not very good at relationships. We would assume that. Uh, but let me, let me tell you what the problem was for me is that I had a heart that wanted to be loved. I just wanted to be loved, and I so wanted to give my heart to anybody who would love me. And so this verse, when my young life leader presented it, the Holy Spirit really caused it to take hold of me, not in the sense of purity. Hey, you need to live this way. I I heard that instruction, but the Holy Spirit took hold of it, and he says, you do not guard your heart well. You give your heart to any girl who would come in and just ask, or even a girl who wouldn't even ask for it. You're just trying to give it away, you know? <laughs> Do you want my heart? You take my heart. I just, I just had this longing to feel loved in a way that I didn't protect it at all. And so this, this saying, you know, it's, it's this idea that, and it's, and it's such a powerful word here. It says, above all else, guard your heart. Now, guarding has this imagery that sometimes we would insert protect it. And, and that's a little bit of, a, of an off picture. When we talk about guard, it's another word that it says in the ESV that I was reading, English Standard Version, it says, be vigilant, right? Be vigilant about it. So it's not put in a box and hold it away. It's watch over it, monitor it, guard it, understand what's happening with your heart and your appetites and your desires and your access to those things. Guard your heart. And the second part, for everything you do flows from it. Let that sit for just a moment. Uh, another way, for, for uh, another translation says it this way, for out of it spring the issues of life. Out of it come the way you address life, the way, the way that you approach life. So, we begin to see just how important it is that we monitor or look over our heart. That's something we actually say in, in the church here. We'll say, have you invited Jesus into your heart? We're, we're not talking about this thing, blah, 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 you know. We're saying into this place of closeness where he has your affections, where he has your desires, where you feel known and you feel connected, this when we say inviting Jesus into your heart, we're, we're saying into that place where he has such access into your life that he can direct your life and, and tell you yes or no and affirm you and he has the ability to, to lift you up or bring correction to you, right? It's a very close place when we talk about our, our heart. And so it's out of this place that things flow, our life flows. <laughs> At this point, it was uh, that next year, as my senior year of high school, um, it was around homecoming time, and uh, there was, the, I was at this point like, 
oh, I want to go to homecoming. You know, I didn't have a, a date. Or, I, I sound so pitiful, don't I? You know? <laughs> I, I and so this girl didn't have a, a date either. And so I invited this girl to, to homecoming. The one thing we had in common is we didn't have a date for homecoming. <laughs> so we asked each other to go. And she really wanted to go to homecoming, not necessarily with me. She just really wanted to go to homecoming. And I really wanted to go with somebody. I still, you know, discipling through and just come to Christ. And so I hadn't figured this part out. I just knew. But this is one of the places where it came to light is we're, we're sitting down. I get this reservation at this nice restaurant right along the river, you know, central Oregon, just, you know, really nice place. A lot of cash. I'm, I'm putting it all on the table. It's, you know, anything you want, you know, order, you know, and, and, and uh, she really couldn't care less. She was like, she really, no, don't feel bad for me. I signed up for it, you know. Uh, you know, she, like I said, she wanted to be at homecoming. What she wanted was to put on her dress and to be with her friends and to go to homecoming. And whoever was sitting across the table, I mean, it really didn't matter. She just wanted to go to homecoming and have her dress and, and all of that. I realized that years later. I'm okay. I've, I've worked through it. But in that moment, when I'm wanting to like feel valued and loved, and I'm ready to let my heart be taken possession of by somebody, I'm thinking, she really doesn't care, does she? You know, it's like I'm putting the cash out and being romantic and being nice. And, and, and then I'm sitting there, and as she's responding in that way, here's what comes up in my heart. It's like, yeah, but I'm okay because I really don't care that way about her either. It was this revelation that, you know what? I only wanted to really give my heart if there was somebody who was willing to take it, right? Really wanting it and valuing it. And when it didn't matter and this scripture came to mind, I'm thinking, I'm not guarding my heart. I'm not good at this. Like, I'm just not good at protecting my heart. It's like I'm just willing to, you know, somebody to affirm me in, in this way. So what began out of that, and I, I'm taking you a long ways back because this is part of my discipleship process. What, what happened was instrumental in my walk with Jesus Christ is that there was this understanding that I did not know how to not give my heart away. And so what God instructed me, in, and it was just pretty clear, he says, and, and not in a chastising way or a belittling way, he said, you don't know how to do this, and so stop giving your heart away to girls. Stop trying to find affirmation and find love from others until you fall in love with me. Learn how to love me, and then you'll know how to love somebody else. Because right now, all you want to do is use somebody else to feel good about yourself, right? You, you're not protecting your heart because you want something from people. So you're wanting them to affirm something that Jesus would say that I need to give to you first so that you know how to truly give your heart. So... This is the beginning steps that I have of realizing about, hey, I really need to understand how to watch over how I give my affections, how I give myself to somebody. If I could love Jesus well, then I would be able to love another person well. But if I don't know how to give my heart fully to Christ and have a relationship with him, then I'm going to have difficulty doing that with somebody else. So I spent the next couple years really pouring into this. And, and I actually, the way that I express myself well is through writing. And so I would write these letters to Jesus as though I was writing them to somebody that I loved, that I was falling in love with. And so I'm learning to give my affection and my desires and talk about what matters to me to Jesus before I start trying to do that with another individual. Because I think most of us know, and I I'm not jaded in this way. It's just an understanding that I have about people, and probably you've come to this understanding. Oftentimes, people are not safe. Even the closest people in your life at times are not safe with your heart. And that's difficult. We want to be just open. We want to be transparent. We want to give ourselves in ways to people and just feel safe around people. And, and there are many close relationships, I'm sure, that you have, that I have, that are safe. And, and we, we can do that. And we know that they have our best interest in mind. But there are also ones that they're not all that safe. And if we expect every relationship to be safe in the way that Jesus is safe, 
we're, putting, we're not guarding our heart very well. We're not watching over this thing within us that the scripture says is the wellspring of life, out of the issues of life spring. So healthy marriage and singleness require that we watch over our heart and who we give our affections to. And in both instances, single and marriage, it's the same issue. It's just the way that it ex- is expressed is different. Uh, I've, I've met a number of people, and, and you probably have too, and maybe this has been you at times. They feel so fragmented in their heart. They feel like they've, they're so, they have so little to give to, to somebody because so many people have taken pieces of it out of their life. And, and their ability to, to feel like they really have something to offer, love, a, a, a rich love, a deep love, it seems lacking because they've allowed so many of the pieces of their heart to be given away over time. Part of it's their dreams. And they just feel like they have little pieces left. And so this instruction's so helpful to watch, watch over this heart and not just pass it out to whoever crosses your path. So if you're single, a single... Um, You limit others' access to your intimate affections, withholding full access from another person uh, to know you fully until marriage. So that's a lot of no's and full. But let me say it again. As a single, you limit others' access to your intimate affections, withholding full access from another person to know you fully until marriage. As that song that played earlier, fully known and loved by you. It's talking about our relationship with Jesus, right? You know, I'm fully known and loved by you. Unconditional love that God gives to us. That's where it starts, really. To really understand how to love another person, you have to receive that unconditional love and be fully known. Well, here's one of the limitations that as a single is that depth of relationship, fully known by another individual, there's a limit that you get to. There's a limit that you hold back until you're actually married to give that person full access to know you. And that's why in Scripture, it will reference that he knew her also refers to physical intimacy. That you know somebody, you may be in relationship, and you may be right up to that point, but it talks about the limit that we reach in terms of singleness is that person won't know me fully until we exchange vows and I let down that wall and I'll give them full access to my body and my heart. They, sh- they get to hear my dreams and so they can know me fully. But I'll, I'll get to that in a moment because that's even, uh, it, it's weighted, right? We have to, we approach that in a certain way as well. So keep that in mind as a single, that's, that's a, a limitation, but there's also limits for marrieds as well. And, I, and so I don't want to, whenever I say there's a limit, I don't want whoever I'm addressing a limit to feel like, oh, well, that stinks because a married person doesn't have a limit. No, married people have limits too. Married people, you have to live within the limit in which you are functioning right now. When we watch over our heart, we just, as a single person, we say, not everybody gets full access. You know, not everybody gets to know me in a way, gets to know you in a way that everybody else does. It gets up to a point, and then I'm waiting until I'm married till that one individual gets to know me very personally and intimately in a way that nobody else will. As a married person, your spouse has exclusive access to your intimate affections and the potential to know you fully. And the potential... To know you fully. You know, Jerry and I, in our marriage, there's interesting things. Isn't it funny that after years, you still, something uncovers about the individual, and you go, I didn't realize that. (laughs) Occasionally, Jerry will share a story about something that that happened, and I, you know, in her childhood or before I met her, and I was like, I didn't know any, I didn't know that it happened. You would think, I would think, after 30 plus years of relationship and conversations, everything would have come up, would have come up at some point and we would have discussed about it. No, it's, it's an ongoing process to, to know that person. Just as I expressed with the Lord, you and I don't know him fully. He knows us fully, but we are spending the entirety of our lives and it's not until we're face to face that we will know 
that we will understand, that we will be in such close relationship. There, there won't be these dividing lines between us and the Lord. And so it is with a, a married person. Your spouse has exclusive access to your intimate affections and the potential to know you fully. Why is it potential? Well, because one of time, uh, it's going to take time for that to unfold. But then also it depends on how much they want to know you and how much you want to give them access to know you. So it doesn't happen automatically. We say, as the couple comes forward and we say, now you're one. Well, yeah, you, you are. You're in union. The two become one flesh. But we should also clarify that it's becoming one flesh. You have become, it's like our relationship with Christ, positionally, because of what Christ has done, we have become one with God. But we're also discipling and we're becoming one, right, with Christ. Positionally, we're one with God, and, and in, in Christ, we're found in Him, but we're also discipling in a way that we're becoming more like Him and more unified with Him. So it is with a married couple. You stand up, you take vows, you witness before folks that we're, we're one now. We've, we've exchanged rings, and so those vows, and the, the minister or the person who's overseeing the, the marriage or the wedding says, now the two are one. <laughs> But a newly married couple, uh-uh, they're not one. <laughs> they're, they're one, but they got some time before they're one. And if you've been married a while, you, you recognize that. I, I remember the first couple of years Jerry and I were married, it was really difficult trying to be one. Why does she squeeze the toothpaste from the middle of the container? I mean, you joke about it, but it's a real thing. Like, your preferences come to the surface, you know? And her response back to that is, why does it matter to you where I squeeze the toothpaste? (laughs) Are you really that, you know, tightly wound that it matters? Yes, yes I am. It matters. A lot of little things that come up that you find out we're different from each other. And while we're one, we need to become, we're in the process of becoming and knowing one another and in, in that oneness. When we watch over our heart, we recognize that they're fragile. Our heart is fragile. It's capable of being damaged when we don't protect it. That we can allow another person access beyond where our trust is with them. And when we open up and we just say, give, I give you full access and then they hurt our heart, they abuse it in a way, and we're just shocked that they would do that to us, that we would be so transparent, so open, then oftentimes we get upset with them, but then we blame ourselves too. Why did I trust that person? Why did I give them access? And so then we pull back, and what we tend to do, the tendency is to not guard our heart, but to start protecting our heart from people. And this happens often in marriage as well, that this person that I said one with, I can be completely open and transparent and open before them, and you find out, hmm, they can actually hurt you the worst because you've given them access to your life in ways that you haven't anybody else, and they have the ability to hurt you in ways that nobody else can hurt you. And even in your singleness, if you've found and you've given your heart to somebody, you thought, I thought we were this far but your actions prove to me I can't trust you. And so we pull back and we protect our hearts. And so the the thing is, is there's this tension that we feel. And we talk about this sometimes in our discipleship is we want to swing the pendulum. Okay, I can just give my heart away. Oh no, I've got to come back and I got to protect my heart. And somewhere in between is this place where we are appropriately surrendering and giving ourselves that we are knowing others and being known by others. Because if, if we start to protect our heart from people instead of guarding it and watching over it, we run the risk of becoming very hard. C.S. Lewis, one of my favorite uh, things that he says out of his book, The Four Loves, he says, to love at all is to be vulnerable. Love anything and your heart will be wrung and possibly broken. If you want to make sure of keeping it intact, you must give it to no one, not even an animal. Wrap it carefully around the hobbies and little luxuries. Avoid all entanglements. 
Lock it up safe in the casket or coffin of your selfishness. But in that casket, safe, dark, motionless, airless, it will change. It will not be broken. It will become unbreakable, impenetrable, irredeemable. To love is to be vulnerable. So what is it? (laughs) Do I guard it or do I give it? Do I love or do I protect? Yes. Yes. (laughs) You guard it so that you can love deeply. You You guard it, you watch over it so that you can love deeply. You watch over the issues of your life, what springs the issues of your life so that you can love people passionately and fully and unconditionally the way that God loves you. And what do I mean by that? So when we talk about love and trust, in passionate marriage and singleness, we love with God's love and trust the life of the Holy Spirit that we see at work within the person. So let me spend my last couple minutes just on, on this point. What does this mean? You cannot, I cannot give out of my life what I don't possess. And so if I don't have the love of God within me, what love am I giving out of? I'm giving out of myself. I'm giving pieces of myself. I'm giving pieces of my heart. I'm extending myself in ways that that person is capable of taking part of me with them, of diminishing me in some way. If I'm loving with the love of God, I'm giving out what God has given to me. If I can receive, and the only way I receive the love of God is by being with him, by drawing close to him and getting from him the affirmation and the identity that he gives to me. If I'm in that place, if I'm so receiving the love of God, receiving my affirmation, my identity from God, people's actions to me can hurt and I can be disappointed and I can feel let down, but they can in no way diminish me. They can no way take away from the person that I am in Christ. They can no way diminish the love that I already have within me from God because I'm I'm not giving them what's of me. I'm giving them what God has poured into me and just passing it along to them. Do you see the difference? There there is a difference. I know it. it, you may say, well, what's the difference? When I'm giving of myself and I'm pouring out my heart and giving of my heart to whoever comes along, there's a limit that I will reach. There's a tolerance that I have. And then when you've crossed that line and I've given enough, then I start becoming angry. What is it that you want from me? Isn't it enough? Haven't I given you enough? Why is it that you keep asking of me things? I don't have any more to give you. And I can get to the point where I'm just frustrated. Why? Because I feel empty. I recognize the limit that I have within myself. But if I'm giving, in contrast to that, if I'm giving out of the love of God, God's love has no end. It's a fountain that just keeps flowing. His grace and his mercy are so deep and so rich. And he can just minister that and release that through my life. And I can share that with somebody else. I can forgive, not because it's within me to forgive, but because Christ forgave me, right? That's the scripture that we reference is why do I forgive? How do I forgive? Well, I forgive with the same forgiveness that God showed me in Jesus Christ. I I will tell you, even as a pastor, even as a pastor, I have limits to my love, limits to my forgiveness, limits to my tolerance of, of people and their behaviors and the way that it hurts me or disappoints me. Do you know who doesn't have a limit to what he's capable of loving and forgiving and doing? It's Jesus Christ. And so if you come to me and, and I'm short and I... I don't have any love for you. I haven't been to the fountain. (laughs) I haven't been with Jesus. I've reached the end of myself and I have nothing to give you. But if I've been with Jesus, if I've spent time and I'm drawing from his source, I'm drawing from what he has, I have something to give to you and giving it to you won't diminish me in any way. I can, there's enough of his love to affirm me and to help me stand whole. So when I make this statement, In passionate marriage and singleness, we love with God's love. Here's the other part. And we trust the life of the Holy Spirit that we see at work within the person. So how do I know how much of my heart to give? How much do I know? How do I know how to surrender myself in a way, even in a marriage? Do I give this person the ability to 
effect from which the springs of life flow out of my life. How much of the Holy Spirit do you see at work within the individual that you're relating to and you're giving your heart to? How much of the Holy Spirit has at work? Well, well, how do I know that? How do I measure that? Scripture says that we see the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control. I, I would encourage you as, as a pastor, if you don't see those fruits in somebody's life, I, I wouldn't give them a lot of room and space to to take from your heart. <laughs> I wouldn't give them a lot of room to, to pour out your heart and trust that you would pour into their life. Does that mean you don't love? No, you love them. It doesn't mean you don't love them. It doesn't mean that you don't show the love of God to them. It doesn't mean you don't forgive. No, all of that comes from God and you pass it along. But how much of your heart do you give? How much in union? So with Jerry and I, how much should she trust me? How much space in her heart? How much access should I have? And, and should I be allowed to, to work and hear her dreams? And should she trust me with, with herself? Well, to the degree that she sees the Holy Spirit at work within me and the fruit of the Spirit at work within me. You say, well, aren't, you're married. She should just give you full access. <laughs> I'm also human. And I'm capable of great hurt. And it's not a matter of self-protection. No, we already said we're not going to protect ourselves and guard ourselves away from people. We're going to guard our heart. But we're going to love people selflessly, fully, going to forgive. But in terms of the access that I give the person into my life, I'm going to measure it based on where is the Holy Spirit showing their fruit? Well, why is that the measurement? Because I can't just trust a person blindly say, well, I, they're a nice person. I can probably just let them, I, I can give them my heart. I can give them access into my life because they seem like a nice person. There's a lot of nice people that actually do a lot of harm in people's lives. Some of them stand on platforms like I am. Uh, some of them are family members who you love deeply, but you think about the, the way that they've hurt your heart and they've They've caused harm into your life. And and so how do we trust? Well, we don't trust the person explicitly. We trust the Holy Spirit who is at work in the individual because the Holy Spirit is trustworthy. And if I say, you know, I see in that individual the fruit of the Spirit, the patience and the gentleness and the kindness. And so I feel like I, I can entrust them with this thing that's happening in my life, this prayer request that... I'm inviting them in. I'm being very vulnerable and, and allowing them to be a part of my life. Why? Because I see the fruit of the Spirit, and they're not going to abuse that in a way that would cause harm to my heart through which the life spring, the issues of life come out. What if, you know, you say, what if this person doesn't know Jesus? Then how am I trusting the Holy Spirit in them if uh, maybe I'm, I'm in a marriage where I've come to Christ, but my spouse hasn't. So I don't ever trust them? No, that's, that's not it at all. The Holy Spirit works in, in people's lives, and he can begin to uh, work in somebody's life even before they become a Christian. That doesn't mean the Holy Spirit is resident in them, but it means that your influence in their life, you can begin to affect and, and help change them. You're the work of the Holy Spirit through you can begin to work in their life. It just means that you go into it open-eyed knowing that as a human being, we are capable of anything. We are capable of great grace and love and compassion. But apart from God and apart from the Holy Spirit's work, we're also capable of great harm and, and pain and suffering towards other people. And that's not at all, a, I want to just say, I'm not a dark person. I don't look at you from the platform and go, oh, you know, I don't trust any of you. Not at all. It's, it's the love of God. It allows us to, to give it freely and, and not be diminished in any way by loving others out of what, how God has loved us. It just means that, you know, I, I'm not going to, and this is the habit I had when I was younger. I'm not going to just go around and say, well, let me trust you with this information about my life that makes me very vulnerable. <laughs> And then find out that you shared it with somebody else or you were poking fun or you betrayed me in some way. And now I'm devastated and I feel like you took a part of me with you and you've somehow re- 
you know, broken that, that trust. Do you see the tension there? Is that you guard your heart, you watch over it, you don't harden it, because that's the alternative, is if we're giving our heart out and we don't protect it, then one of two things, we start acting like it doesn't matter, it's already broken and fragmented, so I just give it to everybody without discretion. I give all of my dreams, all of my hopes, and they just get trampled under all the time because I, it's not worth protecting, it's broken. Or we fall on the other side and we say, I will never trust another person again. And our heart becomes hard and brittle like C.S. Lewis was talking about. And it just sits in this casket and it only stays with us and nobody ever experiences uh, closeness with us and we never experience closeness with another person. We don't want to be in those two extremes. You just say, Jesus, I, I want to know how to love out of the richness of what you've loved me. Give out of that. I don't, I don't want to feel like I'm overextending myself and, and giving parts of myself and then not having anything for anybody else. And so, Lord, I want to love others out of the way that you've loved me. But I, God, I, I recognize my heart. I've given it away. I haven't been protecting it in ways that honor you and honor your work in my life. And so, Lord, I want to do that. I want to, I want to be able to say, Lord, this, I want you to help me monitor this and the way I give my affections. And the way I want to do that is help me to see how you're working in somebody's life and to the degree that I should trust them with, uh, with my heart and, and sharing my dreams and, and the closeness with which I live my life with that individual. In our ministry time this morning, this is where I want us just to spend uh, a little bit of time. The worship team is going to lead us in a uh, worship song. And, and out of this is this opportunity then, um, you know, it may be that you, you were like I, I was in that place of just your heart felt so, feels so fragmented. You just don't even know what's there. You, you know, some in situation you may feel bitter or angry because of what people have done. And you just feel like, you know, they've, they've broken apart your heart in ways. And, and you say, man, I just feel foolish that I've let somebody have that kind of access. Do you know that Jesus, part of his ministry, says he came to bind up the brokenhearted? <laughs> Isn't that a wonderful promise? That part of Jesus' ministry is taking that heart that's been fragmented and gathering it together and putting it back together and making it whole. Uh, others, m- maybe you've gotten to this place where your heart is just so hard. <laughs> you've been burned. You've been taken advantage of. And so in order to keep that from not happening, you've just pulled back and you've just locked it away. You said, I will never trust another person. Yet maybe it's, I trust my spouse, but I, I will never be close friends with a person again because last time I had a close friend, they betrayed me in a way that I just, I can't do that again. Or quite possibly it is your spouse. You just feel so broken and hurt by their not wanting to know you or you shared something personal and they didn't honor it. And so you just locked it away and you said, I'll never get close. I'll never be open again. And, and this morning, God's just saying, no, that's, that's not where I want you to live. I want you to live with a tender heart, a very alive heart that beats with his love and grace and mercy and, and you're watching it and you're, you're giving the right people the right amount of access to your affection and, and to your, what's close and what's hidden in there, your desires. Uh, transparency is available to, to some but not to others and, and you're monitoring it in a healthy way. I mean, can you see that for yourself? Can you begin to just picture what that would look like? It's just a, a very alive sense of, boy, I have love to give and and I'm, I'm not letting people take advantage and walk over. And I'm not just giving my heart away and sharing my dreams and hopes with people. But I'm also not locked away and, and holding back from people. Boy, what a great picture if we could be a church where the love of God is just flowing out, just springs of living water, just flowing out of our life. And we're forgiving and we're asking for forgiveness and grace is extended and, 
and kindness and compassion. The fruit of the Spirit is, is just moving in our midst. And all those little fragments in our heart are just being bound up together and held together, and we're finding wholeness again in Jesus. Would you join me in standing? As you do, this is the response. Uh, we have communion up front. Uh, we have an opportunity to worship in this closing moment. And our prayer team is in the back uh, of the sanctuary in the prayer room. And so I invite you, if you have, uh, as I was talking, you just said, I'm, I'm there. My heart is so hard right now to people. I just, God's got to break through. I just, I don't know what to do with it at this point because it just feels so hard towards others. Um, this is a moment, uh, maybe it's your response is communion and you want to come forward and just say, I just need to identify with Christ's brokenness and his sacrifice and allow him to be able to make my heart soft again. Maybe it's going back to the prayer room and having somebody pray with you and just say, I don't know what to do because my heart is hard. I feel betrayed and I'm just scared to ever give my heart again and, and, uh, just allowing somebody to pray with you. It might be that just in a marriage relationship, trust has been broken in a way and uh, it's causing you to really feel distant from your spouse. Uh, today might be the day where you, you just say, you know, Lord, um, I need to trust again and so help me to see where you're working in my spouse's life and to begin to trust you to that degree. I don't have to give them access to everything. We can build trust again. We can build trust over time as I see you working in their life. Knowing that there can be restoration, there can be this full knowing and, and being known. Possibly you're a single who this morning you've given your heart away so many times, you just don't feel like you have anything left. And the Lord just wants to come and restore and, and bring healing in that, in that way this morning. So Lord, we give you this time now. Um, we want to take this biblical wisdom of watching over our heart for out it spring the issues of life for which you want to deal with us. For out of it, Lord, we look at life through a lens that's, that's good and encouraging and hopeful or a lens that we feel jaded and broken and skeptical. And so, Lord, help us to be that first that we're, we're mindful of the ways that we're watching over what goes in and out of our heart. But God, also ways that we can just love freely, that it doesn't condition us in the way that we love and care for others. So we give you this time now in our response. We surrender, make ourselves available to you. Holy Spirit, just throughout this room, just minister now and begin to draw people to the appropriate response as you're leading them. In Jesus' name, amen.